Our new series is called Living Values. Um, values, as we would know, are, are the principles that we accept, that we take on, and that drive the way we live and the choices that we make. For example, believing in a God that is a loving, personal, knowable presence in our lives, that's a value. If you believe that, that's going to that's gonna happen on the way you, you live, on the choices you make. Um, you might have the value of being your family, as um, seeing family as fundamentally important. If that's a value you, you hold, then you'll work towards reconciling grievances. You'll um, spend time being committed to loving your family. Perhaps you believe this value that honesty is the best policy. If that's um, the case, then you won't tell lies or you won't deceive even when you think that you might benefit from it. There's also um, values that aren't so healthy. Like, for example, if you believe that life is ultimately meaningless, uh, that's going to have a big effect on the way you see people, the way you see yourself, um, the way you see what you do. It would be hard to find a, a much of a purpose. If you believe that the world is fundamentally unkind and that you have to be strong to survive, then you'll be a fiercely independent person, slow to trust others, and anxious about what's going to happen next. So you can see that values are, are really critical. They're really important. Um, values that we choose have a deep impact on us. And for, I don't know about you, but for me, thinking this week about values, um, I was thinking about how sometimes we can just live an unexamined life. You know, um, we're not, we don't sit down and write down our values. And, and when we take a new one on, we don't kind of have a list that's just so that we know what our values are. Um, and so often our lives can be full of all sorts of odd assortments of values that we've picked up from here and there. Um, even watching TV, watching movies, reading books, you pick up values. And uh, we find ourselves today, I think, in a society now where there are, there are more and more competing values than ever there were before. And there's less general consensus on what's good. Um, so as we, as a church, kind of come into this new chapter, um, and we're looking at uh, discerning God's vision for our future, it's also really vital for us, both personally and as a group, to do a stock take on our values and to recommit to the values that Jesus calls us to. Because um, while a solid vision, uh, like the, the jigsaw puzzle picture on the front, like David talked about, is, is really important, if we, if we want to um, actually get there, we have to think about how we're going to get there. What, what values are we going to take on? What are we going to look like in the way we do things and the way we relate to each other? So Jesus' Sermon on the Mount is the place to go for, um, for learning the values of the kingdom or these living values um, as Christians. Uh, this sermon that Jesus preaches goes from Matthew chapter 5 to chapter 7. And um, it provides us with the values that he calls us to live by. I just want to tell you that it's going to be a challenging series. Um, so I hope you're ready to, to have a bit of a, a, a challenge, um, have, a, have your values challenged. Um, it's, yeah, it's definitely going to be a challenging time. Last week, we looked at those inspiring words from Jesus. He says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And I reckon um, hearing those words and letting them sink in, 
That's who you are. That's your identity, according to Jesus. That's who we are. We get a glimpse here of the great hope that Jesus sees in us. He doesn't just say, you guys are okay sometimes, or, yeah, there's a little bit of light coming out of you occasionally. He's saying, you're the light of the world. You know, he, He's not just saying, oh, I see a little bit of potential. He's saying, you're the salt of the earth. You're the ones who are going to bring flavor and, um, and, and bring God's goodness. I, I really love just, I loved reflecting, reflecting on those, um, those phrases this week. Um, and just, I guess, realizing Jesus's confidence in us. He has great confidence in us to be good. Um, we probably don't always have that same amount of confidence in ourselves. Um, if, if you're anything like me, um, you want to sort of say to Jesus, Thanks for those encouraging words, but can can we really be that good? You know, can I really be a light to the world all the time? I'm not sure if I can. Um, and, you know, sometimes I'm, I'm pretty dim, perhaps even um, moving into the darker side of things. And how, how can I really be the light of the world? If you're like me, goodness, the goodness that you have inside you, kind of swings a bit like a pendulum. This is the way I, I think of it anyway. Um, as a child, I always, I was one of those kids who I always wanted to be, I always wanted to do the right thing, you know, and I was a little bit, uh, I was kind of a bit nervous as a kid as well. And if I got in trouble, um, it, it just devastated me. Whereas my, um, like some of my, I have three brothers and some of my brothers were pretty casual about doing the wrong thing. And it was really hard because they'd get me into trouble and then they wouldn't care too much about getting told off and I just really find it heavy going. But um but when you want to be good um and you do you want to do right and you and then you work to achieve it. So so you you watch yourself, you you change your behaviors, you you shape up um and and you kind of, you know, build yourself up to be a pretty good person. But sometimes um things then come along that slacken your will. Like maybe you're not rewarded like you hoped you would be for being good. You've worked so hard and and then other people are, are getting more reward than you. Or perhaps um, you make a mistake and you think, oh, I don't think I can even be that good, so I'm going to stop trying as hard. Or maybe you're just influenced um, by your friends, by people around you who, who are a bit more um, permissive, a bit more casual, and you go, oh, I think I'll just relax things. And so for me, I, I have this times in my life where there's the pendulum swinging towards working really hard to be good, and then the pendulum swings back to just letting it all go a little bit. But then when I let it go, I get to a point where I feel I feel a sense of lack in myself. I feel a bit like, this isn't me. This isn't what I should be, what I could be. And so I work again and, and the pendulum swings back. Do you guys relate to that at all? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not alone in my um, pendulum swinging goodness. That's good. <clears throat> so I guess my question is, is that just what we do all the time? You know, do we just swing from willfulness, willing ourselves to be good, to then permissiveness, like just let it all roll, um, and then back again? Is that is that how we have to be? Um, Jesus seems to be saying, "Hey, I've got I've got a goodness, got goodness that I'm going to give you, and it's going to make you the light of the world and the salt of the earth." And his sermon is going to kind of lift us into um, a, a new space. And today, um, today's scripture is, um, is really crucial to the, to the sermon, the whole Sermon on the Mount, in helping us to understand what he means by that. 
And um, often when someone sort of says, you can be really good, I'm going to push you into being really good, I'm going to encourage you towards goodness, you start thinking, oh, this is going to be a bit of a burden. You know, I'm, this is going to be heavy. But um, good to remember that Jesus, in um, another six chapters, Matthew 11, he says this, he says, take my yoke upon you. Now, you know how when oxen are being um, are plowing the fields, they, they put a yoke on the, on the oxen. It's this heavy thing they put around their shoulders. And then, it, and then it means that they can go in a straight line and it also means that they can pull the plow. So Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. Put, put what I'm teaching you into your life. And you think, yeah, it is going to be heavy. But then he says, learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart and you'll find rest for your souls. So he kind of saying, it is a yoke in a way, but it's also light and it's good and it's joyful. And so it, it almost seems too much, doesn't it? You think, how can he, how can Jesus get us to be, to really take on goodness on a new level and at the same time, um, make it light and joyful for us? Doesn't that sound just brilliant? <laughs> I, I want that. And, and that's, and that's really what Jesus is saying to us today is that he can give that to us. Um, so today's passage and the, the living value that I'm wanting to take out of it, um, like I said before, it's crucial to the way that we're going to approach the rest of this series. Without, without this value, we're going to um, probably just throw our hands up and say, Jesus, you're asking too much. It's impossible. Similar to, um, to the disciples after the, um, the rich young man. Jesus said that it's, it's going to be really hard for him to enter the kingdom of heaven. Um, and uh, the, the disciples are surprised because for them, someone like this rich young man, he's, he's a picture of, of goodness and they can't understand why he, he might not be, be able to get into the kingdom of God. So the value is this, the value that we're going to try and take into our lives and it's going to become something that we, that we live. Goodness comes from a personal journey with Jesus. All right? That's our, that's our living value today. So goodness comes from a personal journey with Jesus. Jesus is saying, press into me, get to know me, and find this goodness that works. It's not just going to be swinging around. It's going to work. And he has made a way for us. So our scripture for today is Matthew 5, 17 to 20. Let me just read it to you, and then I'm just going to go through it and, um, and draw out how this, how this works for us. So Jesus says this uh, in his sermon, Matthew 5, 17 to 20. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the, pro- or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter not the least stroke of a pen will be any means will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished therefore anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven but whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great for i tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the pharisees and the teachers of the law you will certainly not in of heaven. All right. So there's a fair bit in there, and um, we're just going to go through that um, and and draw out 
What is this goodness that Jesus is giving us that it relates to Jesus being, uh, to being on a personal journey with him? So in the first couple of verses, verse 17 and 18, um, what Jesus is really saying to the, um, to, to the people who are listening is that God's goodness is trustworthy. Okay. It doesn't just change with the wind. So, um, Jesus' audience, they're people of the book. Okay. They're people who know their Bible and their Bible is the Old Testament because these are, these are Jewish people. They read it. They obey it. They memorize it. They discuss it. They eat, drink and breathe it. Okay. So Jesus wants really quickly to correct any suspicion that this goodness that he's putting out there for us is he, he, he's saying, I'm not pitting myself against Israel's sacred traditions. I haven't come to, to say that the Hebrew scriptures, let's just put them aside or, or that they're less important now because of what he's, um, what he's bringing. He says, God's goodness is trustworthy. It stays the same. It's steadfast. So I'm not bringing something that's going to say, hey, you know all that stuff you learned about goodness before. That's, that's old. He, he's saying, no, that's the same and it's going to stay the same because God is good and God has given uh, us the law and the prophets to lead us to be people of God, people who reflect God's goodness. So Jesus hasn't come to set it aside because it's trustworthy, but then he uses this word, which is really the key kind of word that we need to understand today. He says he's come to fulfill it. Okay, So I haven't come to abolish it or to set it aside, to make it less. Come to fulfill it. Um, what does Jesus mean by this word fulfill? Um, because it's, I'm just going to leave you cl- hanging on that cliff um, and I'm going to go through the rest of, of what it says and then we're going to go back to that word fulfill because to me that's really the crux of it. And, um, and I just want to draw out a few things from those other verses first. Okay, so um, verse 18, he, he says, uh, For I tell you, you know, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. So the, the Old Testament is durable. The law remains through all times. Um, it's kind of unfortunate. I think sometimes I hear people say things like, oh, that's just the Old Testament. Or, um, you know, there's this sense in which the Old Testament gets a pretty bad reputation these days. And um, while it is an ancient document and we need to be able to interpret it carefully, we have to also realize this was Jesus' Bible. This was where Jesus went to for inspiration and guidance in his, um, in his life. And so certainly um, Jesus exercises a certain freedom um, with the Old Testament and he teaches us to do that too, but not a disrespect of it. So verse 19, he goes on and he says, um, you know, therefore anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others to do accordingly will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. I reckon he's kind of saying that when the people who, who let the pendulum swing to the permissive side and just go, hey, you know what, let's just kind of, everything's cool, don't worry, don't worry too much. Um, if we belittle goodness, we only belittle ourselves in God's kingdom. So it's not in line with Jesus to do that. In following Jesus, we are very much directed to, to scripture as our primary counsel and um, he, he wants us to, um, to not just let it all slide 
in terms of goodness. And then the, the last verse, verse 20, he says, he kind of switches to the other side of the pendulum. He says, For I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you'll certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. So just, just like being permissive isn't, isn't in line with Jesus, so also he uses the example of the Pharisees, who, for everyone listening, the Pharisees are like the most willful good people ever. They work so hard to be good that their whole life is like just following this rule and that rule and this rule and that rule. In fact, the rule, just say this is a rule that they need to follow. What they do is they create a whole bunch of rules so that if they break those rules, they're at least not breaking the real rules. Do you know what I mean? They set rules around rule so that they've got boundaries um, around the rule, if that makes sense. So these guys are like willfulness to the extreme. Um, and Jesus is saying, you know, you have to kind of have a better goodness than those guys. And um, for, for, a, for a lot of us at first, we think, is he saying that we need, to be, we need to beat them at their own game? But he's not saying that. He's actually just saying what I mean when I say that I've come to fulfill the law. My goodness is, is higher goodness, is a deeper goodness than, than the one that those guys are, are busy doing. Does that make sense? Okay, so um, an example of, of the Pharisee, by the way, is um, we, we, we read later on um, in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, who was once a very strict Pharisee, he, this is what he says about himself, because he's someone who's seen the goodness of Jesus and has made his switch. Okay, so he says this, he goes, I was circumcised on the eighth day, a member of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin a Hebrew born of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee. So he's like, the law was all over that. It's just, you know, doing really well. But then he says that he found a greater goodness in Christ. He says, yet whatever gains I had, these I have come to regard as loss because of Christ. More than that, I regard everything as loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. So let's go back to to the to verse 17 and look at Jesus saying he's come to fulfill the law and the prophets. What did he mean? Well, the good news here is that God's goodness made known to us in Scripture is revealed in all its completeness through Christ. He's come to fulfill the law and the prophets, which literally means to fill it full or to set it fully on its feet. Okay? So Jesus fulfills the law by embodying it. He, he shows us a living example of God's goodness. And this is unique. This is attractive. It's joyful. It's kind. And it's bold as well. So Jesus fulfills the law by, by, by actually just fully embodying it in a different way. And he shows us that obedience to the law, or goodness, as I've been calling it, isn't just to keep us on the straight and narrow. So that's not the aim of goodness. It goes far deeper than that, according to Jesus. Jesus' goodness is kind of like um, it's internalized. It's written on his heart. It's motivated not by, by ego or by needing to be good. It's motivated by a loving response to the love of God, who he calls Father. So Jesus actually orients us to the intent of the law. He's saying, the law isn't just about following the rules. 
It's about drawing us into a relationship with God. And um, Jesus then, in, in declaring himself as the one who's fulfilled the law, he becomes the center of attention for us. He's the one that the law and the prophets were pointing to. They, they were a sign pointing to him. So now he's the center of attention. And so now our goodness as followers of Jesus is, is not um, like it's a grateful goodness. So we're, uh, we're already fulfilled. Um, sorry, Jesus has already fulfilled the law and, um, he's, and it's graciously bearing fruit in us as we walk in communion with him. The picture that I want to paint just to kind of help you with this is because of Jesus' fulfilling walk, um, work, the law is no longer like a threatening hammer hanging over us, you know. Are you going to do the wrong thing? Bang, you're, you're not good and you're not good anymore. But instead, the law becomes like a red carpet for us to walk down. Confident, not in necessarily in our own goodness, but in Jesus' willingness to work his goodness into us. So we just go to Jesus and, and he, um, he promises to work his goodness into us. Does that make sense? There's a shift. There's a big shift there. And the shift is that goodness comes from a personal journey with Jesus. I hope that's, um, that's been exciting and clear for you. And uh, I'm gonna, I, I want to now come to the point where we think a little bit about responding today, this morning. I want you just in conclusion, I want to just say that our faith and the goodness that, that God asks of us is not about being heroic. It's not about willpower. It's not about being right and other people are wrong. We, we grow in goodness when we open ourselves to love and be loved by Jesus. When Jesus was on, um, was with his disciples on the night before he died, he's preparing them for his departure. And he says to them, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you abide in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. That's To me, that sums up what I'm trying to say to you today. Jesus, as the fulfiller of the law, is the one who we go to for the goodness that he um clearly sees in us because he's calling us the light of the world he's calling us the salt of the earth there must be something that he's going to give us um, so that we can be that and gone off oh it's back on again uh the only way that we can uh find that goodness is through relationship with him when jesus says abide in jesus he's i think he just means talk to me involve me in your life uh, find friendship with me uh, as you walk in your in your day to day, you know, uh, be aware of Jesus' presence with you. Talk to him, because mature friendship with Jesus is what brings uh, a light and joyous goodness into your life. I've got some questions um, f- for us, and I ask you to get your response cards out if um, if you want to. And just remember, with those response cards, the the real the, the best thing about them is that they uh, help you to, to formulate in your mind what you've learnt. Because sometimes you can hear a sermon and it can be really great and then you can um, walk away, go have morning tea and it can just sort of fade off, fade off without any response. 
And so I really encourage you to, to write something. Um, and it's fantastic if you're able to give it to David as well because that means that we can be praying for you um, as you learning to respond. So my questions are, what might God be saying to me through this message today? How will I respond today to grow closer to Jesus? What might you want to do to grow closer to Jesus today? What values in my life might be preventing me from spiritual growth? It's another good question. And are there any questions that this message has surfaced for me? While um, while you're uh, writing in your response cards, um, the, the music, the musicians are going to get up and, and uh, play a bit of music, and then we'll uh, it'll lead you into our last song today.